0: In just a few moments, we're going to take the lid off the bath here and uh, we're going to have some baptisms uh, this morning. I really like that. We might That might be a runner for us now. Um, and we're going to do that. But before we do that, you know, as, you've, as I sat there listening to Phil's story, and to Ricky's story and just the incredible power of that, you know, too. Two guys that, um, you know, not as, and in the next service you're going to hear different stories. Some are, some in the next service are children that have been brought up in Christian families but have still come to that point of accepting Jesus for themselves. But as I listen to these two stories, these two guys who, you know, met God at this stage in their life really and, you know, met the Jesus of Christmas because that's who they've met. You know that, don't you? They've met the Jesus of Christmas but not as the little baby but as the man that grew up and that lived and died And we believe as Christians died and rose again and is alive now. And these two guys are telling you, that Jesus I've met. That story is connected with my story. So that story of 2,000 years ago is connected with my story of 2016. And that's the reason why they're getting a bath this morning. That's the reason why they are being baptized. Because they're saying that that story of 2,000 years ago is true is true, and I think when you look at the original Christmas story okay it seems too perfect to be true for many of us okay and I shared this a few years ago, um, but you know the Christmas story angels and you saw it on the on the on the fun media angels and shepherds and and a stable and wise men and uh, and we're meant to believe that this is the savior of the world and it seems to Perfect. It seems like suspiciously perfect. Almost like somebody's orchestrated it just to look like it's true. But I want to open that up a little bit this morning, okay? Because the story begins, the Christmas story begins with an old couple who can't have children. And in the day that they live, that's an incredible disgrace. An incredible disgrace. And yet God comes along and he signals signals them out. And he says, you're a favour. I'm going to put favour on you. Now that just didn't happen. That's almost too good to be true. It's perfect. And then you see this little the teenage girl who's 14, who's not yet married. And, and, and God comes along to her, Mary, and he says, you are highly favoured. And she says, why am I highly favoured? I'm 14. I've done nothing. You see, you don't have to do anything to be favoured by God. That's perfect. And then, and then the first group that get to hear about the coming of Jesus are a group of shepherds. And in, and in the day, uh, being a shepherd was like the lowest job of all, okay? Because under Jewish law, um, religious law, you, you were not allowed to touch dead animals and shepherds were doing that all the time. What shepherds used to do is they used to give their sheep to the religious people on their way up to do the religious things in the temple. They were the outsiders. They didn't do church. They didn't do religion. They were considered the lowest of the low. They gave their sheep to the religious people. They just stepped back and yet God chose to come to them first. I think that's amazing, don't you? That's absolutely perfect. And 1,500 miles away in Rome, Caesar Augustus, the emperor. Now, his adopted father was Julius Caesar. So Caesar Augustus literally was the son of a god because that's what they believed Julius Caesar was. So literally, the emperor, the most powerful man on planet Earth, literally called the son of a god. All we know of him is a footnote in the story of this baby Jesus. That's amazing. That's amazing. That is absolutely perfect. And it seems like it's too perfect. It seems like it's suspiciously perfect because life isn't perfect, is it? We know life isn't perfect. We, only, we know life isn't perfect because of what we see in the world. Phil alluded to when he prayed before in the early 90s when he was in that situation that he talked about. And of course, we look at that part of the world now and we look at Aleppo and we look at the Yemen and we look at this and we think we are so civilized and we're so technological and we're so intelligent and yet we still can't live with each other because the world isn't perfect. And so when you look at a perfect looking story, it jars because the world isn't perfect. And we know life isn't perfect because our lives aren't perfect, either. And actually, Phil and Ricky would admit their lives aren't perfect. Just because they become a Christian doesn't mean their life is perfect. My life isn't perfect. None of our lives are perfect. And even kids, six-year-old girl called Beth was asked what she thought. She wanted to give her brother for Christmas. I don't know, she answered. And then her mom said, well, what? Or somebody said to him, well, what did you give him last year? And she said, the chicken pox. So <laughs> hopefully she's not going to give him that. But, but life isn't perfect for our families. There will be 600 million unwanted gifts this Christmas time. One and a half million gifts will go on eBay, Boxing Day. One in three people will enter 2017 in debt. There are more marriages that struggle at Christmas than at any other time. We know life isn't perfect because we're human beings. But I want to tell you that just because life isn't perfect doesn't mean that this story isn't true. And one of the things that doesn't help is this kind of picture that we probably have seen. Okay, Merlin, if you could put the picture up. This doesn't really help because when you look at that scene, it looks too perfect to be true. Like the goldfish bowls on their head and Jesus being blonde and blue-eyed and yet he was Israel, a Jew. And of course, we know that wasn't true. And, And that whole perfect scene and Mary's just given birth but looks so serene. And no epidural and no gas and air. Do you know what I mean? It just looks ridiculous. And there's, art, there's animals there and yet silent night. No crying he makes away in the manger. It just seems too perfect to be true. But so what we do is we take that image and we create a myth or a fairy tale around it. And if we're honest, that's what many people think because they see that kind of depiction of the Christmas story. They create like a myth and a fairy tale about it. And so it doesn't look, it's too perfect to be true and life isn't like that. So therefore, we're going to push this into the realm of myth, legend and fairy tale. But you see, the thing is, if that was the case, most fairy tales, myths and legends have a good moral point. Like King Canute, you know, that story of King Canute holding back the waves. That's a good moral point. The only moral point I can see of this, if you believe that is, do you know what? If you're pregnant, book a hotel online nine months before you turn up. That's a good moral point, okay? Otherwise, you might turn up and there's no room. But then to the rescue come two guys called Matthew and Luke. And they write down things and, and they were followers of Jesus as Jesus grew up and they knew people that he knew and they were eyewitnesses, the Bible says. And so all of a sudden we take it out of the realm of myth, legend and fairy tale and we put some history and we put some facts behind it. Here's what Luke says. Uh, This is in Luke chapter one. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. The word means Jesus. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully... Now Luke was a historian as well as a doctor. I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So I've looked into the facts. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke's saying, I want you to know the facts. Not, Not just what you think is myth or fairy tale or legend. You know, it doesn't matter whether it was the 25th. It wasn't the 25th of December. It doesn't matter about that. It doesn't matter when the wise men came. It doesn't matter about any of that. I want you to know the facts. And then he goes on in Luke 2, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And what happens there is that the Bible pulls in other material that you can evidence and prove from other literature. These were real people. These real things happened. And into that context of history, this story sits Guys, this is not a myth or a fairy tale or a legend. This is a historically true story. Now, what you want to come to deduce from that is your decision. But Luke goes on to describe how Mary and Joseph, visited by an angel, how they travel to Bethlehem, how a baby is born, who grows up into a man and becomes the saviour of the world. And just before we baptise these two guys, I want to ask you a question this morning. What if it's true? What if it's true? Maybe you've come this morning, okay, to watch someone get baptised. Maybe you don't know whether it's true. Maybe to you, the Christmas story is a myth. It's a fairy tale or a legend. What about, let me ask you a question. What about if it's true? Could you open your mind just a little bit to wonder if it might be true? For Phil and Ricky, they know it's true because their story is connected with this story. They know it's true. Many of us in this room, we know it's true, don't we? We know it's true. And yet we smile sweetly at the nativity and we sing Silent Night and we sing Away in a Manger and all that stuff. But at the heart of it all, we know it's true that God came into the world. That God shrank himself to a baby so that we could see him and so that we could know him. And if it could be true, it's good news, isn't it? It's good news. And the Bible says this. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The wonder of the Christmas story is that it's good news for all. So the old childless couple who had to live with that shame, God says, It's good news for you to that teenager that finds that she's pregnant. She has to live with that embarrassment and all of that difficulty. And and, and God says, this is good news to you. To the people who are not religious, the shepherds, who watch the religious people do their thing, who don't ever want to go near church. They only go near it at Christmas or maybe to watch someone get baptised. God says to you as well, folks, this morning, this is good news for you. Being a follower of Jesus is not about how religious you are. It's about knowing that you are not perfect, but He is and surrendering your life to Him. And that's what it is. And that's good news. And so for Phil and Ricky, there is as there, there is much in the good news as me who's been a Christian for 40 years or Simon for 10 or 11 or for anybody else. It's all good news. It's all good news. The wonder of the Christmas story is that it's better than perfect. It's true. I'm not good all the time. I'm not perfect all the time. And you know, neither are you and neither are these people who are being baptized. But I want to say that this story, this Christmas story encompasses your story. And when your story connects with his story, then we make that history in our lives through what God is doing. You are part, every single one of you, whether in the back there or whether you're here, you are part of the all that God speaks about. This is good news to all mankind. That's amazing, isn't it? And so I just want to, as before I pray, if you know it, if you know this is true, let the wonder of this story hit you again this year. As you see people baptised in just a few moments, this Christmas story connects with that. Because this baby grew up to be the saviour of the world, the Bible says. And he died on a cross and he rose again. So that 2,000 years later, people like Phil and Ricky and me and you could know that we are free. Could know that we have a relationship with God. Could baptise, could get baptised and celebrate that this morning. So if you know it, let the wonder of the story impact you again. Don't let familiarity breed indifference. But let it hit you again. Christmas, as I said a few weeks ago is the most wonderful time of the year not because of what's happening but because of what has already happened so if you know it, celebrate it if you knew it but you've let it go, come back you know many of you in this room you know that you maybe you were baptised and you know that actually you've let the wonder of that story take you away and you haven't been walking with God and you haven't been letting the wonder of that story impact you as you watch them get baptised come back If you knew it, come back. You know, I love that. I think it was Ricky that said that when he came into this church, that God said to him, you're home. I love that. Because every single person that comes back to God is home. And if you knew it, but you've wandered away from it, come back. If you don't know it or you're not sure about it, why don't you check it out? Both these guys have said that that's what they did. They explored it. They didn't believe, but they explored it. And they explored it through Alpha. And we're starting another Alpha course on the 16th of January. I'm sorry that Bear grills won't be available, but Simon Woodward will be there. And that's the next best thing we've got. Well, in his mind, it is anyway. <laughs> but you know, it's an eight-week course on a Monday evening. We'd love you to come. We'd love you to come. You get a free meal. You get a presentation of the Christian faith. Then you get to talk and ask any question you want. And you can sign up for that this morning. At the end of the service, you can go to the Connection Point and sign up for it. And all you lose if you do that is eight Monday nights. That's it. But maybe, maybe by checking out the story, you do it justice for yourself. And at the end of that eight weeks, if you think it's not for you, that's fine. But maybe it is. Maybe some of the wonder of that story would impact your life as well. Maybe you could check it out by coming back. We'd love to see you again. You're welcome to come anytime you want. But if you could let the wonder of this story impact you again, God could do amazing things in your life. Why don't we pray for a moment? Why don't we pray? Jesus, we thank you this morning that you are a great God and we thank you for this amazing story. Lord, it seems at times too perfect to be true, but God, it's better than perfect. It really is true. And God, we thank you that 2,000 years later, we know it's true because it's bringing life to many people. And God, as we've heard Ricky's story and Phil's story this morning, as we've heard how your story is connected with their story, God, I pray that the wonder of that would impact every single one of us in this room. And now, Lord, as we, as we celebrate with these guys, as we watch them and participate in them getting baptised, Lord, we just thank you so much for just the power of your story and God your word says that we will overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb that's the blood of Jesus and by the power of our story our testimony God people can argue with whether they believe God this or God that or all of that and that's fine but God it's very hard to argue with a changed life and with a personal story and God I pray this morning that every single one of us would know the power of your story at work in our story If we know it, God, let us celebrate it. If we knew it, let us come home. And if we're not sure, let us check it out. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.